The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Welcome to Summit Church. I'm so glad that you chose today to engage online wherever you're at, whatever's going on in your world. I just know that it is important for us as a church to continue to proclaim the word of God, to learn from it, to apply it to our lives. And, and that's what we're trying to do. And in the book of Philippians, we're, we're jumping back in after just a one-week break for Father's Day. We're diving back in. We're going to get most of the way through chapter one today. And we see some something really profound, okay? If you were with us two weeks ago, however you engaged, uh, we saw that Paul was in chains for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was his crime. He proclaimed the gospel, and some of the religious leaders in Jerusalem didn't care for him doing that, so they had him arrested. He had to appeal his way all the way to Caesar, and as he's waiting that appeal, he is getting to do the kingdom work under house arrest. It's not an ideal situation, but we saw two weeks ago that Paul says, hey, this is still good. The gospel is still going forward. People are still being encouraged. I am encouraged by what's happening. So I'm not gonna let my circumstances bring me down. I'm going to see the opportunity that exists within them and I'm gonna take full advantage of it. And it's right on the tail end of those statements that we pick up in Philippians chapter one, verses 18 through 26 today. Paul's further thoughts on just what his life is really all about. And I'm going to give you a warning, okay, church? I'm going to give you a warning before we jump in today that what Paul has come to, his ability to find joy in all circumstances, his outlook on life, it is quite advanced. It is quite mature. I don't expect every one of you listening today to feel or believe exactly the same way that Paul does. But I will tell you this. If you want to be content in all circumstances, if you want to rejoice always, and as Paul says, again, I will rejoice. If you want that kind of lifestyle, the mentality that Paul has regarding his own life is imperative. So I want to lay it out there today. I want to let you marinate on it for a little while and see if there isn't something very profound very heavenly that we learn from Paul and just his perspective on life. Philippians chapter one, verses 18 and 19. Paul says this, yes, and I will continue to rejoice despite my current circumstances. For I know that through your prayers, that's the prayers of the church of Philippi, and God's provision, specifically of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Now, if you have a different translation than the NIV, the NIV is what I'm reading from. That word deliverance can be translated salvation as well. It will turn out for my salvation. But the Greek word here is actually very, very straightforward. It means deliverance, perseverance, safety, or salvation. And so what Paul is saying here is that I know my circumstances, they're not perfect, but through your prayers and through the provision of God, he is gonna watch over my life. He is gonna help me persevere. He's gonna provide relative safety. I think that's a landmine that a lot of Christians misunderstand that if we're in Christ, if we're walking with God, we're gonna have this perfectly safe life. That's not what he promises Okay, but the safety that God provides is that your ticket's not gonna get punched until he's ready to punch it. 
He's in control of that. So you don't have to live in this constant fear of, is today gonna be my day? God has that under control, and Paul knows this. So God allows him to persevere through any circumstance. He provides relative safety, but then he also provides this deliverance and this salvation, meaning that at the end, when Paul's life is done, he's poured it all out for the kingdom of God, then God will bring him home. It's through his provision, through his love, by his grace, through his son Jesus, that Paul knows, hey, there's nothing on this earth that I have to fear because God has today and God has tomorrow. God has my now and he has my eternity. God has you, church. I want you to hear that. I want you to embrace that regardless of your current circumstances. God has you, he loves you, and there's nothing that this world can throw at you that he is not capable of delivering you from, even death. That's the power of the gospel. That's the truth of Jesus, and that is the mindset that Paul had. Hey, you're praying for me, God's got me, whatever it looks like, I'm in. I'm in because I'm in it for him. Today, if I live, it means that God has me. And today, if I die, it means God has me. There's a lot of comfort. There's a lot of comfort in that. So with this mindset in verse 19, how do we apply this to our lives each and every day? Let's look at verse 20. He gives us some insight into that. I eagerly expect and I hope, those are strong words, that I will in no way be ashamed because I've already declared that my life is his. I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul says, may Christ be exalted in me. That word exalted, it's better translated magnified. May Christ be illuminated by me, by my life, by the way that I live. The Greek specifically says this, may my life deem or declare great, highly esteemed, extolled, and celebrated. May my life deem and declare those things upon Jesus. And I told you, I told you, church, this is a big one. This concept, this way of living life, that your life would reflect the high esteem and declare just how great Jesus is. That is a massive, massive concept. Not something easy to do, but I have to ask you this. Paul is highly confident that either in living or dying, he would magnify Jesus. He's highly confident of that. Are you? Are you equally as confident that today, whether you live a full day or it is your last, you will magnify Jesus? You'll extol him, you will declare him great. Are you confident of that? And I, I uh, hear me. 
I know that is a massive, massive question. One that's hard for you to just answer. So let's break it down. Let's break it down just a little bit and let me discuss what this life looks like. A life that has been declared by God to be his and one that you magnify him. So here's what it would look like. Question one, do you pour out your life in service for others? By pouring out your own life, by putting others first, you are declaring the magnificence of Jesus. So do you pour out your life in service for others? Do you place God first in all things? That's a huge question, so let me break that down even further. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. There's some very simple indicators to see if you are putting God first, if you're magnifying Jesus. Number one, how do you spend the majority of your time? Do you spend time thinking about him, pressing into him, walking with him, once again, serving others? Or do you spend the majority of your time living for you? Your talents, your God-given abilities. Do you use the things that God has given you to glorify yourself or to glorify him? These are not simple questions. They're not simple questions to wrestle through, but they're very, very, very intuitive questions to answer the question, do you magnify Jesus? And finally, your treasure is what God has given you. Do you see it as yours? Or do you see it as a gift from him and therefore you live with open hands? You freely give back to those who are in need. You, you generously give from the treasure that he has given you. Does your life magnify Jesus? Number three, do you love unconditionally? That's how God loves you. And one of the best ways to magnify him, one of the best ways to declare him great is to love in the same way that he has loved you. You love because he first loved you. Do you love unconditionally? Do you forgive completely? Church, if you are in Christ, you are completely forgiven. And one of the ways we can best magnify the Lord of this world that has forgiven us is by forgiving others in the same way. Do you forgive completely? Do you proclaim the gospel publicly and apply it to your own life? Do you preach it to yourself and to others? Do you do that? Is that part of who you are? That's a great way to magnify Jesus with your life is through the speaking of the gospel to others and the application of it to yourself. And finally, do you wake up and go to bed each day at peace with God, with others, and with yourself? This peaceful tranquility that comes through faith in God, which leads to ultimate joy, is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful way to magnify Jesus to this world. Do you live at peace with God, with others, and with yourself? Now, I told you, this is not going to be easy. So if your answer to several of those questions was no, what do you do? Do you just quit? Do you say, I'm terrible? Todd, this is the most depressing thing I've ever heard? No, 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 no. We learn. We learn from Paul and his confidence that whether in life or death, I will exalt. I will magnify Jesus with my life. 
And there may be some things you need to address. There may be some things that you need to adjust. But the answers to those questions will ultimately lead you to the answer to the first question. Does your life magnify Jesus? Does it do so? Don't forget Paul's words. He hoped and he expected. Did you see it there in verse 20? He hoped and expected not to be ashamed because he had declared that his life was no longer his own that his life existed for the glorification of Jesus. He declared that. And so he didn't want to make himself out to be a liar. And for those of you who can remember the day where you made that proclamation, have you given your life to Jesus? If you publicly declared yes, then join with Paul and say, I don't want to be ashamed of that. I want to press into that. I want to live that out. I want to be obedient to that. And I'm never going to be perfect, just like Paul wasn't perfect. But he was hopeful. He was hopeful that in all circumstances, he would magnify Jesus. He believed that he had sufficient courage to magnify Jesus in his life or his death. You saw that word in verse 20, courage. It's better translated boldness. And I think that's important for us to make that shift. Because I find courage to be more internal. It's what allows me internally to face fears. Boldness is what drives me to action. If I'm being bold, if I'm doing something way outside my comfort zone, like magnifying Jesus completely in my life or even in my death, if I'm doing that, then that is boldness. And I think what Paul is saying here is I am confident that I have sufficient boldness that comes from the Lord to make that claim that I will magnify Jesus in my life, or in my death. So another question, how bold are you? How bold are you? If I'm being completely transparent, for me, it's completely circumstantial. And that's not a good thing, by the way. It's completely circumstantial. You put me on a stage, the more people in the room, the more bold I become. There's some of you who go, you put me on a stage in front of eight people or 800 people, I will fold instantly. That's not, that's not how God wired me. I become incredibly bold. You put me in a restaurant and ask me to proclaim the gospel to my server and then I clam up like no one's business. And what Paul is saying is, I feel like I have the courage, the inner strength to be bold in all circumstances. How bold are you? He says, I pray that God will give you the courage to be more bold. Give the courage for me to be more bold. And I think that's a prayer that, that we can pray for ourselves. God, make me more bold so that my life may magnify you more. Make me more bold, Jesus. And ask him to forgive you for the areas and the times which you've fallen short. The next few verses, I'm going to finish out through verse 26. The next few verses, um, I think, really just kind of further expand on the thought we've already played out here. Now, some of these verses are the most famous in the book of Philippians. So they're great verses. I don't want to diminish them, but Paul's already made his argument in verses 19 and 20. And now he's just kind of giving examples from his own life. He's, he's making statements from his own life, but I think they still can encourage us. Verses 21 through 26, it says this. For to me, to live is Christ. To die, that's gain. 
If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. And convinced of this, I know that I will remain. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. If you're hearing the heart of Paul as he's being so transparent in this letter, he truly is torn. He's in chains. He says, if, if you ask me, what's far better is that Jesus would just bring me home. What's far better right now for me is death because I get to be with Jesus. But what's better for you, the Philippians, what's better for the world is that I continue with fruitful labor. So if I live, it's Jesus. And if I die, it's Jesus. But right now, I think I know what the choice is going to be because my job here is not done yet. My purpose has not been fulfilled For him, he knows that to live means to still work. It means fruitful labor, the result of which will be more people being emboldened by his magnifying of Jesus so that they will boast more in Jesus and magnify Jesus more. And as this result, he says, I I think I need to stay alive. So that's what I'll do for today. As I was writing this, there's a, there's a comedian named Brian Regan. He does a bunch of sketches. They're, they're pretty funny. And one of them, he's talking about baseball, and he was a horrible baseball player in Little League. And, and he'd be out in right field, and, and when the coach would yell, hey, how many outs, he would yell, cherry. That's the kind of snow cone he wanted. Cherries. Cherry's favorite. Cherry's my favorite. Um, and then, but he goes, but if they don't have cherry, then grape is a favorite too. Gra- grape's also good. And it's a funny sketch, and we quote it with our kids all the time, but I hear Paul kind of saying the same thing. Hey, Paul, what, what, uh, what's going on? Uh, life, death, both favorites, both good. You know, if they don't have one, I'll, I'll take the other, because in the end I get Jesus. And what a profound mindset. I don't know many people that live this way. I don't know many people who who look at death like this. I've met plenty of people whose bodies have have worn out. They've run out of gas and and they have this mentality. For me right now, to to die is gain. I I would get to be with Jesus and I'd get to get rid of this. But I I don't know a lot of 25-year-olds who even love Jesus with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength that they're just like, you know, to live is Christ, to die is gain but I think if we're going to magnify Jesus with our life, if we're gonna magnify Jesus with the way we live, we need to exalt him and desire him more than this life. And, and that's a hard biblical truth to swallow. But when we do that, when we say, what is better by far, did you hear Paul's words? What's better by far is to go be with Jesus. When we understand that, I think it allows us to live our life in a way that magnifies him. I can remember like it was yesterday as an eight-year-old sitting in my living room. Now, kids are different because when I was eight, I didn't get to pick the shows. 
My kids decide what we watch, and I guess I'm a bad parent because I never got to pick the shows that we watched growing up. We only had you know, 30 channels on cable, and my parents picked the show, and I had to sit there and watch it. So 20, 20, and 60 minutes shows that my kids would never watch. We watched them all the time. And I remember that in one of the episodes of one of those shows, they talked about near-death experiences and how people had seen this or that. And I, I was brought up in a home that you believed everyone died and went to heaven, including dogs, and, and that's just what it was. And there was very little teaching on eternity in my home. But I just knew that, okay, if you die, you go to heaven. But it was this show that somehow opened my mind for the first time for me to go, I'm going to cease to exist. I'm going to die. And as an eight-year-old, I couldn't process that. And it scared the tar out of me. I was so afraid. And now as a 39-year-old, I can say that to think of that day, to think of that moment where I breathe my last, there are things on this earth that I absolutely do not want to leave. But there is a treasure waiting that I want so much more than anything else on this earth. And it's that mindset that I think frees us up to live our lives in such a way as to choose daily through faithful obedience, through fruitful labor, to magnify Jesus. To weigh, just like Paul had to, I want to go home. I, I'm, in, I'm in chains. I want to go to heaven and be with Jesus. I want to do that so bad. But he waited and he said, as much as I want that, as much as that's the better choice, I will get to stay here in chains, and fruitfully encourage others to magnify Jesus. You don't fulfill that purpose. You don't understand that call until you understand the treasure that is Jesus. For me to live is Christ. I think a lot of us, for us to die is to be with Christ. But Paul understood, no, I, I can have that today. And it's just going to take a lot more work for me to live as Christ. For Paul, life was very simple. Each breath was an opportunity for fruitful kingdom labor and a chance to bring others joy and faith. It's a pretty simple playbook. It's a very specific purpose that Paul embraced. One that all of us who claim the name of Jesus Christ have been called to live. The same playbook, the same purpose to bring joy and faith to those that we come into contact with because of Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9. For we are co-workers in God's service. What he is doing to call his children by name into relationship with him, we are now working with him to see that to completion. We magnify Jesus with our lives and in doing so, we co-labor with God the Father to bring joy and faith to people's lives. So as we wrap it up, for Paul to live was Christ and to die was gain. I ask you, what would you need to change today in your life to be able to echo those same words? 
What would you need to adjust? What would you need to repent from? What would you need to ask God to transform within you to say those same words? For some, it's coming to faith in the first place. You've never put your trust and your faith in Jesus. For some, that needs to happen right now, today. He loves you and he's waiting for you to just call upon him. For others, it's praying for more boldness. God, give me the courage to be bold for you in all circumstances, in my day-to-day life. For others, it's simply embracing the purpose for which God has called you heavenward in Christ Jesus. That purpose is to bring faith and joy to others by magnifying Jesus. You've just got to see that your life is not your own. It was bought with a price, a heavy price, the price of Jesus' own life. It's a heavy price for you to be purchased for a great purpose. I don't know what it means for you today, but I pray that you will be a person who magnifies Jesus with your life. Once again, that word means to declare with great esteem, to extol, to celebrate. Is that what your life does for Jesus? Do you magnify him? I can say this with confidence. He is worth it. He is worth you magnifying him with your life. And the people that you encounter on a daily basis, they need him. And you may be the only one who will be able to show them who he really is. Whatever God is calling you to today, he has already equipped you for. So church, magnify him, magnify him with your life. That is my prayer. And that's how we as followers of his will be able to slowly transform this world. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. Help us to live in such a way as to echo the words of Paul and to magnify Jesus with all of our life, to extol him, to declare him as great. May the world see that and may they be moved by it into relationship with you. Your gospel is sufficient. Your Holy Spirit is all that we need. Come and move in mighty ways. It's in your name we pray. Amen.